Welcome to Rose Tinted, a podcast where we challenge the limits of our nostalgia by re-examining some of our favourite childhood movies. I'm Ollie Chip. And I'm Paddy HK. And today we will be discussing Big Daddy. It's just such an awful title, isn't it? I know. It's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, everything about this movie is pretty disgusting, but we will get to that. Um, but yeah, before we get started, as always, I just want to give some background info about this podcast to the uninitiated. So Ollie and I are old friends who decided to make a list of our favourite childhood movies so we can revisit them one by one to see if they still hold up to scrutiny. Some loose rules for our selection process, the movies have to bear some kind of significance to our childhood or early adolescence, and we try to only select movies that we have not watched since that time. So with that out of the way, Ollie, why don't you tell us a little bit about Big Daddy? Uh, okay. Um, so, <laughs> Big Daddy is a film released in 1999, written by Adam Sandler, for the most part, directed by Dennis Duggan, who, or Dugan, I don't know how you pronounce his surname, but he's like basically one of Adam Sandler's cronies, it seems. Mm. Scorsese ain't got nothing on this guy, mate, when you look <laughs> at his back catalogue. Um, just a few choice picks. Nominated for the Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Director in 2007 for I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry. Nice. Um, he also directed Don't Mess With The Zohan. <laughs> 2010, he did Grown Ups and Grown Ups 2 in 2013. Again, nominated for Worst Director at the Golden Raspberry Awards. Um, he's quite prolific with the old Golden Raspberries, this <laughs> Digan guy. In 2011, he was nominated twice um, for Jack and Jill and Just Go With It. And I think pretty much all of those films that I've listed were also products of either Adam Sandler writing or of um, his production company, which name escapes me. Happy Madison. Happy Madison, that's it, yeah. Yeah, it's a combination of Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison. Yeah, like super original title for the production company as well, so kudos to Sandler for that one. So wait, just to cut you off really quickly before we continue with the info about the movie, so the man who was responsible for directing this movie is also responsible for Jack and Jill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, good to know i'm sure we'll discuss that a little bit more later but good to know good to know please continue um so yeah that's probably the two artists of the movie i've just named there sandler and, and dugan um but the starring cast adam sandler obviously plays the protagonist uh we've got john stewart in there rob schneider another one of his cronies joey lauren adams leslie mann you know it's, it's a reasonable cast actually to be honest steve buscemi as well oh yeah <laughs> a little cameo from yeah. Steve Buscemi. Poor guy. Mm. But yeah, that's pretty much it. In, in terms of its budget, it was quite modest, actually, as an Adam Sandler movie goes. Like, a lot of his films now are, like, bloated with production costs. Like, mm. I think Jack and Jill cost close to $200 million mm -hmm. somehow. There's a really, really good video, actually, that Red Letter Media do on Jack and Jill, where they basically just expose Adam Sandler for the fraud that he is. Yeah. Um, 
So I highly recommend checking that out if you haven't done so. But yeah, its budget was $34.2 million, which is actually quite modest. Mm -hmm. And it absolutely cleaned up at the box office, got $234.8 million in the box office. Yeah, not surprising, really. Not surprising. Yeah, like people lap this rubbish up, man. Every time I've said, oh, yeah, I'm doing Big Daddy this week with the podcast, everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's a good movie, that. Yeah, it's really good. It's quite funny, isn't it? Um, It's interesting. Yeah, that's why I think it's actually really important that we're covering at least one of his movies because A, he was like insanely popular in the 90s and early 2000s and B, his popularity and his legacy seems to have endured for some reason. You'll talk to people who will literally be like, Happy Gilmore still holds up and uh, Mr. (laughs) Deeds is great. I mean, and I was one of those people. I was very much like, oh yeah, I mean, I really don't like his movies, but I've always had a soft spot for Big Daddy, which is why I specifically chose this one. So I think it is important that we're covering this because for some reason everyone has rose-tinted spectacles about Adam Sandler movies. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Uh, Yeah, so plot summary, um, back-of-the-box plot summary I write every week for these movies is... Living off a lawsuit payout from an incident with a taxi, Sonny Koufax's life has become lazy, adolescent, and selfish. When his friend's illegitimate love child, Julian, is dropped on his doorstep, Sonny sees it as an opportunity to turn his life around. As their bond grows and Sonny learns more about parenting, he must do everything he can to win over the hearts and minds of those who previously doubted him and grow up to become the father figure to Julian, a figure that Sonny himself never had. Ooh, nice little twist at the end there. (laughs) Giving it a bit of personality, I like it. Cool, Um, yeah, like it very much. Hit me with your one-sentence summary. Abhorrent man-child kidnapper lures unsuspecting women into relationships with him, all masquerading all the while as sentimentality. Very good. Absolutely nailed it. (laughs) Cool. Okay. Or it could just be abhorrent man-child makes movie. (laughs) Yeah. Abhorrent man-child makes movie starring himself about himself. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, dear. So, yeah, Paddy, you sort of hinted at it, talking about the fact that everybody has rose-tinted glasses when they talk about Adam Sandler, but do you want to elaborate on why this movie is on the list for you? Yeah, so I guess the reason this movie made the list for me is it was the first Adam Sandler comedy I ever saw. I've never actually seen some of the really famous ones. I've never seen Waterboy, which I think is quite merciful. Um, I've just seen clips of it, which have made me realise how much I would hate it. (laughs) I did see things like Happy Gilmore. I did see Mr. Deeds and a few others and little nicky i loved little nicky actually i was a big fan of little nicky that was the other contender for this yeah but the reason why big daddy made the list specifically for me is because ironically enough this was a movie me and my dad used to watch together all the time like we loved this movie okay it was sort of like a family activity for the two of us um which is worrying in hindsight really I'm glad you said it. Oh, no, no, no. I'm going to be the first one to pick up on stuff like that. There's a few moments in this film that made me go, hmm. Um, But uh, yeah, so it was kind of like, I've always seen it as the Adam Sandler movie with heart. And I guess in the context of his wider back catalogue, that's still kind of true, Mm. but only when you compare it to the absolute cesspit that is the rest of his movies. Mm. But yeah, in terms of scenes that I remember, specifically going into this viewing of it 
Um, it was just a few lines and a few sequences that really stuck in my mind. Uh, the first was, I wipe my own ass. Yeah. Legendary piece of dialogue uh, from Julian. What a catchphrase. What a catchphrase where the uh, child that Adam Sandler kidnaps proclaims that he can wipe his own ass. I also remembered the Sweet Child of Mine sequence. This was my first exposure to that song, actually. Okay. And I remembered the court scene at the end being quite moving. That was sort of like what I went into the movie with, basically. Jesus Christ. Um, But yeah, generally speaking, remembered the structure, remembered the plot, but those were the main things that I went into the viewing with. Um, What about you? Why did the movie make the list for you? Um, The reason it made the list for me, I don't know, this is sort of cheating a little bit, but I was just thinking back through other Adam Sandler movies that I had seen, and I thought that this would be the one that would offend me the least. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've seen a number of his other films that probably could have made this list as well. Mm. I haven't seen them since I was a kid, but I've read up on Adam Sandler since being a child, and I don't think I could take revisiting things like Waterboy and mm happy gilmore and those and and jack and jill uh i don't think i could revisit these sorts of films and be constructively objective about them yeah and then i thought well big daddy yeah like you said sort of memories of it being like mildly sentimental and having Mm. sort of a bit of a like a lovable quality to it yeah which is like making my skin crawl saying that now Mm. but yeah it was sort of one of those films that it is a cheat really it's what it's one of his films where i was like i can probably talk about this through gritted teeth and be mildly objective about it yeah and i think that's a fair reason for choosing it because Adam Sandler's oeuvre has been discussed to death at this point and it's almost like low-hanging fruit in a way yeah everyone knows he's offensive everyone knows he's a scam artist everyone knows he's lazy and he doesn't give a shit but it would have been almost too easy to pick apart something like Happy Gilmore or Little Nicky to sort of talk about why it was offensive yeah whereas this one it is skewed heavily towards being a movie that I did not enjoy but I do think that there is space to have a slightly more nuanced conversation with this one well yeah i mean slightly yeah like you said earlier like in comparison to his the rest of his filmography like Mm. this one's probably the one that allows that to happen the most yeah um but yeah i didn't i didn't really remember much about it other than the fact that um the thing that stuck out in my mind most prominently was the apartment that he lived in (laughs) what the warehouse club that he lived in yeah like with the strange sort of like sliding warehouse door and there's all these like sort of black industrial beams everywhere and like the layout of the apartments are weird and it sort of has the same visual quality to it i think as like the friends apartment yeah and i think that's why it stuck in my head so vividly like the rest of the movie not much sprung to mind the only other sequel that I remembered vividly was the rollerblading down the hill and throwing a stick in the way so they fell over. Um, I just remember that sequence, yeah. but I didn't actually remember the new... <laughs> I'm going to say inverted commas again, the nuances of the narrative. <laughs> I didn't have any recollection of what actually happens in this film particularly, other than that he basically trains a child in his own image. Yeah. All right, well, with all that said, uh, shall we segue into the unenviable task of discussing what we actually kind of enjoyed about this movie? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You couldn't even say yes. That was just like a whimper. You responded with a whimper. (laughs) Oh, dear.
Okay, so, um, well, let's start with what you do best, Paddy, and that is make a good case for the benefits and the positives of these types of movies um, before we rain heavily on your parade. Um, so, are there any, any decent points that you want to bring up about what you liked? Well, I want to add a massive caveat before I get into this. You would not be raining on my parade by discussing the bad points. I think we're both in the bad parade for this movie. Oh yeah, I don't doubt that, but like you are much more um, adept at making making it sound like you enjoyed the films i'm not very good at doing that not being blinded by rage (laughs) (laughs) yeah effectively yeah well another caveat i want to add is that basically every good point can very easily be followed with a yeah but you know so it's basically like every good point i talk about there is a bad point that either contradicts or supersedes the good element of what I'm discussing. Yeah. So I'm just going to get that out of the way because obviously most of the points that I make, we may be able to immediately contradict here and now. Yeah. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, but there'll be a lot of that, I imagine. So we may as well try and save most of that for the bad section. Yeah, fine. But anyway, so I do have a short list of things that I think I kind of liked about the movie. So firstly, top of the list, I think it makes the most sense to lead with this. There was a couple of genuinely funny moments that gave me a smile or gave me a titter. So... Mm -hmm. Um, just the odd line of dialogue so when his in the opening sequence his girlfriend is chastising him for not getting a job and he justifies it by saying i suffered a traumatic injury and she's like a cab ran over your foot over a year ago and he just says first of all that cab was huge and that (laughs) that admittedly made me laugh um when he first meets julian and he takes him out uh julian's the little boy that gets dropped off on his doorstep he says to him what do you eat and julian just says food and i was like (laughs) yeah fair play that's the basics covered um to be fair, any moment with sort of like children was generally quite funny, I thought, like the tertiary children. So there's a moment where Adam Sandler is sort of like scoping out the kids yeah. in the playground. He's, vet- he's vetting them, isn't he? He's vetting them to see if any of them do drugs, basically. So he's just like, you know, like an undercover cop, just be- going up to like these five-year-olds and going, oh, does anyone know where I can get any weed, any of that wacky-backy, any of that Mary Jane? And like, he's just trying to be really sly and surreptitious with these kids talking about drugs. And it just cuts to one of them who says, I have a belly button. <laughs> and- <laughs> do you know what? I-, I was so disenfranchised at that point by this film that I genuinely thought that was a scene where he was trying to sell drugs to children (laughs) yeah because of course that's what he would do because he's a scumbag um exactly and one last little scene that i quite enjoyed is i really enjoyed the teacher um so julian's teacher Mm. he goes to like parent teacher night to discuss julian's progress and she says oh yes i've had some smelly ones in my time but your son is by far the smelliest yeah that just got me as well So those were sort of like the short list of moments I thought were actually quite funny. Side note, and this goes back to me talking about my dad's very problematic relationship with this movie, but Sonny getting Julian to pee on the restaurant made me laugh. So there's a scene where Sonny wants to take Julian into a restaurant uh, to take him into the bathroom. And the restaurant won't let him use the bathroom because they're not customers. So he just basically says, well, fuck you, we're going to piss on the side of the building. That exact thing happened with me and my dad oh, where God. we tried to go to a pizza restaurant in leeds when i was a kid is this pre or post big daddy being released i honestly have no i don't know which would be worse yeah i was gonna say which one would you consider worse <laughs> yeah i have no idea <laughs> some weird light like, homage to the movie doing it for real 
or your actions are some horrible precursor yeah. to a joke that happens in an Adam Sandler film. Like, he pre-existingly related to Adam Sandler. Like, you know, and <laughs> oh, it's like, yeah, so this restaurant refused to let me go use the toilet, so my dad just made me piss on the side of the building. So, yeah, that made me laugh, but mainly out of horror than anything else. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's my short list of moments that I thought were actually kind of funny. Um, in terms of other things that I enjoyed, I thought... Despite all of this movie's problems, which definitely includes certain aspects of Julian and Sonny's relationship, there is undeniably a sweetness to their connection, which is more explored in the second half of the movie. So one moment that I did actually think was really nice was when Julian is feeling shy and self-conscious and Adam Sandler gives him his sunglasses and says, these are invisibility sunglasses, and, you know, when you put these on, no one can see you until you decide that they can. And I actually thought that was a really nice little moment, a nice little parenting technique that felt very believable, and it's, like, exactly the kind of thing that a parent might do to reassure or comfort their child. Yeah. So there's a handful of sweet little moments like that. The invisibility sunglasses. I liked Adam Sandler dressing up as Scuba Steve to encourage Julian to have a bath, and I liked his pride in Julian's performance on stage. Mm -hmm. So Julian does a little performance on stage where he's acting as one of the founding fathers and um it's like a quite heartwarming moment and uh finally you you, you scoffed at this earlier but i think sonny's little speech to julian in court at the end of the movie is it's still quite poignant when he says i can't be your dad but i can be your friend it hit me in the field slightly okay you're just holding back i can see because you've got nothing positive <laughs> to contribute you're just like okay okay <laughs> to every point that I make. You're getting redder and redder as I continue. <laughs> I could tell. Right, okay, I'll wrap this up. So the final thing that I'm going to talk about, which is definitely incredibly contentious, and I'm going to add a huge asterisk before talking about this, and I'm actually going to use this to segue into the bad part section. But basically, I feel like I have to acknowledge the gay visibility and representation in this movie. So there's a, a gay couple who are characters in this movie. They are Sonny Adam Sandler's friends. Colleagues. Yeah, two colleagues he went to law school with. They're like brothers to him, and they ended up in a romantic relationship together. And I remember watching this movie as a child, and I'm pretty sure that this was the first time I ever saw an openly gay male couple kissing on screen. Okay. Which I think is worth acknowledging. I think it was incredibly rare at the time. And sort of an extension of that is like Sonny's general attitude towards his gay friends seems to be like a positive message to convey. Yeah, I mean, I would say more than positive. I think he's just, he's ambivalent, isn't he, about it. And I suppose that, I suppose that in itself is a positive outlook to have, particularly for, you know, 1999. But I think positive is a strong term for it. I think like, I, th I think ambivalence is the best word for it. He's just sort of like, yeah, I, I don't really care either way. Mm. I can wind my other heterosexual friend up about not enjoying them kissing in public but at the same time i don't really care what they do he never takes like an active stance in it yeah but it's definitely it's definitely a more positive representation of that than other movies of its period well yeah i mean if you compare it to like a scene in american pie 2 for example where two of the main characters are forced to kiss and the whole thing is like oh gross two guys kissing yeah but whereas in this there's this scene where sonny's homophobic friend says i'm still a little weirded out when they they kiss and Sonny says they're gay that's what gay guys do so to an extent Sonny's acceptance of his two gay friends is admittedly surprising however and this is the big caveat and this is where I'm probably going to segue into bad stuff 
even though Sonny outwardly accepts his friends as gay, the movie still feels the need to pander to a homophobic demographic to qualify its inclusivity. Yeah. So it can't just be okay with gay people. It has to portray them as weird or uncomfortable. And that way, Sonny is the outlier for accepting them, but the homophobe is presenting a normal attitude, normal in air quotes, for the audience to latch onto. And so whenever the two gay guys do anything remote intimate or romantic it cuts to the homophobic guy's reaction yeah. of disgust and also it treats the gay characters as almost like hypersexual yeah like they seem to constantly be commenting on the bodies of other men there's a scene where they're all in the men's toilets together stood at urinals and the gay guy smiles at the homophobic guy in like what's meant to be portrayed as like a kind of creepy way and the homophobic guy moves away from the urinal to get away from him. So because of this, the movie's able to offer an element of inclusivity and representation while still making the gay characters the butt of the jokes. Like the homophobic character's reaction to them is played for laughs, but he's not the object of derision. They are. Yeah. Like he's never mocked and nor are his views ever challenged, basically. Well, the thing that I the thing that I have trouble with the most as well is that, yeah, you're right in that Sonny, Adam Sandler's character, has a pretty relaxed attitude when it comes to his gay friends but on the flip side of it he's the guy who fucking writes the movie do you know what i mean so yeah. like his his character that he's playing has an element of like acceptance to it but adam sandler wrote those homophobic jokes into the film so it's sort of like this horrible double-edged sword where he's playing a character that accepts it but he's writing a film that wholeheartedly doesn't yeah and i think that's disgusting to be honest yeah no i agree it's almost like he's very much having his cake and eating it too and even his character character's support of his gay friends is conditional because when they're criticizing his decision to keep Julian he says some throwaway line like hey I support your guy's right to get married um you can support my life decisions and it's almost like well if you don't support me I I don't support you kind of thing yeah so it's not like an unconditional support and I think he has engineered it in a way that he can because basically Adam Sandler movies are essentially gross out comedies and I think what he's done is he's basically been like I want to get two men kissing in this movie because I think that's inherently funny yeah how do I get away with this in a movie that's supposedly more sincere than some of my other offerings yeah so I think it is quite a deeply cynical approach to representation so that's what i meant when i wanted to pick up on the visibility and representation i did want to point out that it comes with a massive caveat and that it is deeply problematic at the same time yeah but yeah, that's just about it for all the things that I semi-enjoyed about the movie. You've stayed pretty quiet throughout this <laughs> section, but do you have anything to add that you think you might have also enjoyed? Um, I got one thing, mm -hmm. and that is I liked the character performance of Josh Mostel, who plays the he plays the character of the the child services officer. For me, he's like a real throwback sort of grandfather figure of these sorts of american films and mm. he's like he's heartwarming to look at isn't he bless him like he's just <laughs> got a big round face and a big beard and he's just like he's just cute to look at and yeah. um i quite liked his his character he's sort of this sort of like pseudo hippie liberal ish 
child services officer and I enjoyed it when he was on screen. Because actually, as well, it seemed to me that he was relatively the voice of reason. Although, like, you would argue that their child service protocols in this film are, like, completely fucking skewed and rubbish. Not based in any form of reality whatsoever. No, none whatsoever. It's just sort of, like, all done on everyone's word. Like, oh, yeah, you can, you'll, you'll look after that kid. That's great. I'll speak to you in two weeks. It's a fucking gentleman's agreement. <laughs> Yeah, you could yeah, be the dad exactly. to this kid, why not? Like... Exactly. And that's saying something, that that is the voice of reason that plays throughout this film, because every other character, essentially, to me, I've, I thought was abhorrent. I'd say that his dad's also kind of the voice of reason, like Sonny's dad. Yeah, but even he's a fucking scumbag, isn't he, in his own way? Yeah, I mean, he is a scumbag, but he's also the only one to basically be like, you are literally the worst, Yeah, you know? But yeah, I think that's valid. I enjoyed that character as well. And I could see you were also more or less saying that through gritted teeth too so (laughs) shall we move swiftly on to talk about the things that we enjoyed less in this movie let's do it anybody can my kid use the bathroom for a minute customers only oh yeah he's just a kid come on we'll be in and out of here it's not my problem it's not your problem come on right okay ollie i can see you've been holding back the vein in your temple is practically <laughs> pulsing. I've never known you to be so quiet during a good stuff section. So why don't we just let this movie have it? Why don't you start us off by telling me some of the things you did not enjoy about this movie? What a disgusting shit show this film is. Yes. Like, I thought it was going to be bad, but nothing could quite prepare me for how dirty and lazy and pathetic this film is like Mm -hmm. i'm not going to go on like a vicious rampage that my facial expression may imply because like it defeated me this film Mm. i finished it and i just felt like i needed to take a shower yeah that was a couple of days ago and the more i've been thinking about it the more i've just been like it actually deeply saddens me that (laughs) films like this are popular and exist well i just wanted to add a little note there right because obviously when i'm editing the episodes together i drop audio clips from the movies into the into the episode right yeah now i source these audio clips by going on youtube and ripping them right yeah now if you want to be really depressed about some of the movies we discussed that we don't like go into the youtube comments on some of these clips and the resounding praise these movies still get yeah i mean like you don't really go to the youtube comment section for a valid and objective view of a film or of anything for that matter it's true but yeah yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine there's some plebs out there who think this is like the pinnacle of comedy film, you know? Well, I don't want to insult them or write them off by calling them plebs. I'm going to try and be a lot kinder to our audience here who are potentially fans of this movie and listening out of interest. But like, it is worth acknowledging that, yeah, people still love these movies. They still love them. Yeah. They have a fondness for them. Well, I made I made a pledge. Well, not a pledge. I sort of made a bet with myself. I was like, how long is this film going to take before it insults my intelligence or it affects me in some way that is irredeemable Mm. Uh, and i gave the movie credit to say i reckon i'd get 15 minutes into the film before that would happen it got seven and a half minutes in nice before i was already sort of like if this is the trajectory of what's going to happen i am i'm going to be deeply unsettled for the rest of it and it it wasn't so much like lines of dialogue although there are a number in there that insult various groups of individuals but i just know 
from my experience with Adam Sandler movies that what he likes to do more than anything else to mine comedy is offend on a large scale as many different demographics as possible and all the while do that but masquerade as being sentimental so having these horrible jokes that have no real delivery or punchline they're almost just like statements about people that you're meant to find funny Mm -hmm. and then they're sort of legitimized usually at the end of the film by some sentimental moment where you tend to forget about all the horrible stuff that's come before it and he's very good at doing this and if you think of that trend it happens in a lot of his films Mm -hmm. but yeah I, i gave the film too much credit I thought 15 minutes would be the time where I I would tune out from this, but it took seven and a half um, before, you know, he had insulted Eastern Europeans, he had insulted gay people, um, Italians. Later on into the movie, he insults black people, homeless people, women, old people. Um, And then a a really throwaway offensive moment as well is where he just sort of catcalls a goth or like alternative emo person on the street. Um, So, you know, it's a good, you know, nearly 10 nearly a dozen different demographics that he just pokes fun at. And it it seems to be like these demographics of people that are just different. Mm -hmm. So it will be like, if they're not white and male and like Adam Sandler, then they're open to lazy, unstructured, no set up and payoff jokes that aren't funny and have no real sort of progression in terms of plot or character or anything like that like i don't want you to get me wrong and think that i'm someone who takes offense very easily and you know doesn't like that sort of comedy i mean i don't really um but i do find that there is definitely comedy to be found in being right on the edge of offensiveness yeah but what i cannot abide is that sort of comedy done in such a lazy, lackadaisical fashion. So it's not funny anymore. It's just insulting. Yeah. And it doesn't just insult the people that he's making jokes about. It actually insults the intelligence of the people that are watching his films because it assumes that the people that watch his films are also going to find those things funny. And all you have to do is just scratch a tiny little bit beneath that surface and you realise that all it is is just a man-child making a joke about difference and it's fucking pathetic and I hate it. Mm. And you mentioned how it took the movie about seven minutes to offend you. Can you identify or pick out the actual specific moment where it first crossed that line where you were like, I'm done? I think it was when we meet his, his friend, the delivery man, Rob Schneider's character. Yeah. And as soon as Rob Schneider opened his mouth and he's sort of speaking in this... It's like Middle Eastern accent kind of thing. It's unidentifiable because it's a fucking shit accent. Well, he's basically like ambiguous ethnic man is what he's playing. Yeah, exactly. And I think it was at that point... I mean, I hate Rob Schneider anyway. Mm. Um, but I think it was that that was the moment where I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, he's Sonny's, like, close friend and... It's used as a platform for insulting ethnic difference. I think I've actually got you beat on this one. The first moment where I realised it was like going to be that kind of movie yeah. um, happened just before then. Okay. And I don't know if you picked up on this, but it actually made me laugh a lot because of how fucking ridiculous it was. But basically, Sonny wakes up in bed with his girlfriend who's rushing around and mad because he turned off the alarm and she's late for work. 
right? Yeah. So she's rushing around and she's in her like sexy red underwear. Yeah. And she she's rushing around to get to work. And she does what I have never seen a single living woman do in my life, which is she literally, she's wearing sexy red bra and pants and she just puts a coat on over the bra and does it up <laughs> and goes to work. And it's yeah. like, people don't do that. Like that doesn't happen. That's not how real people behave. Also the audacity that someone that looks and behaves like I'm just gonna say it looks and behaves like Adam Sandler it's not Sonny Koufax anymore because really Adam Sandler doesn't play characters he plays like different slight variations of himself Mm. like the audacity to suggest that Adam Sandler could even be with someone who is like a high achieving professional uh businesswoman who is you know maybe subjectively but attractive right like the suggestion that this slovenly disgusting lazy wanker (laughs) would have a girlfriend (laughs) like that is insulting in and of itself so yeah you're right actually that moment is the moment that fucking pissed me off the opening shot of the movie (laughs) essentially yeah because he's a lazy wanker and he just spends his whole life in bed and we're led to believe that they have a relationship i mean it doesn't last very long granted Mm. but again right she's punished at the end for that so like he's too good for her yeah it's like he's too good for her and there is nothing there is nothing good about him there's nothing good about him at all he's disgusting yeah but that was um that was the first moment that caught my attention where she was getting dressed and adam sandler was so desperate to show cleavage he couldn't even be bothered to have her putting on like the correct amount of clothes as she's leaving the apartment (laughs) it's literally like no we need to show her naked for as long as possible so she can just throw on a coat and go to work (laughs) it's just ridiculous um but yeah continue um so I think that like going back to what I was saying about just feeling just like dirty after watching it. The whole setup of this movie is just really horrifying when mm. you break it down. So essentially his friend, I can't remember his name, I don't even care. John Stewart. John Stewart is a successful lawyer or businessman or something. He wears a suit and he looks like he has some money. So I'm assuming lawyer or businessman. Well, he is a lawyer because every single character in this movie is Is a a lawyer. lawyer. Yeah, I thought he was. Yeah, like I think there's the delivery guy and then there's Corinne who is Jon Stewart's fiance. She's a doctor uh, slash former Hooters girl and there's a couple of other tertiary characters who have different roles. But basically every single character of note is a lawyer or Adam right. Sandler, who's some kind of savant lawyer. Yeah. Okay. So he's a lawyer and it turns out that he has, well, no, it's not even illegitimate. He has a child with a Hooters waitress that he slept with six years ago. Mm-hmm. She never told him that he had a son. She died of cancer. Mm-hmm. And then her dying wish was to send the child via taxi to John Stewart's house. And it happened that John Stewart was out on a business trip. So Adam Sandler poses as as John Stewart in order to help him out and look after the kid for a few days before mm. he gets back. And like that whole setup in itself is just like horrible. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous for one, but it's also just like filthy. Yeah, a bit seedy. A bit seedy. That's exactly the word I'm looking for. Yeah, it's just a little bit seedy. And I'm not going to say it's a shame because it doesn't redeem itself at all. And I don't think it would redeem itself if it didn't have that setup. But 
Like, that is just lazy writing at the end of the day. It's got nothing to do with, like, oh, let's think about how this we can develop a character with this. Like, maybe Jon Stewart, you know, had this other life before he became a lawyer, and that's quite a nice... We can do a little bit of character development on how, like, his past is coming back to haunt him, inverted commas. Uh, we could do something like that. No, it's just, how do we, in the quickest, most efficient way possible get a random child to Adam Sandler's door. Yeah, and I think you actually gave it too much credit by saying the child arrives at Adam Sandler's door via taxi, because it isn't even via taxi, it's via some random other child. It's literally, he gets delivered by a teenager who, he says, lady gave me $5 to make sure that he got here. So the implication there is that Julian's mother, who is dying of cancer, her last wish is to reunite Julian with Jon Stewart, and instead of apparently going through the appropriate channels that you would do that through she essentially pays a teenager five dollars to drop this kid (laughs) off on adam sandler's doorstep and like it's it's so beyond lazy and so ridiculous i totally get why it gives you that seedy vibe because it kind of it's obviously not intentional but through the sheer laziness of that writing it's almost like the lives of A, this child, and B, this woman whose sole role in the movie is to bear Jon Stewart's son, are meaningless. Yeah. And also, can I just pick up on the fact as well, like, why is it even Jon Stewart's son? Why can't it be Adam Sandler's? Yeah. I'll tell you why it is. It's because he can't be bothered to write his own character properly. Yeah. He doesn't have to put on a performance. He doesn't have to be Sonny Koufax. He can just be Adam Sandler. Yeah. So the less backstory you give to Adam Sandler's character, the better, because it means he doesn't have to think about what he's doing. Yeah. He can just spout this insulting dialogue out and not worry about performing a role. Yeah. Because Adam Sandler doesn't have an illegitimate son, as far as we know so therefore why would he act like someone who has an illegitimate son (laughs) but like that's just dawned on me now like why why isn't it just his son i think it's to add the drama in air quotes of him uh, committing identity fraud yeah but yeah you're right it's a non-starter it doesn't make any sense completely and what i found most hilarious about that setup as well is that adam sandler rings john stewart and says I've got this kid in my apartment. It's your kid. The mum's dropped him off. What do you want me to do? And uh, John Stewart's like, oh, I'm just about to get on the plane to go on a business trip. <laughs> yeah. And Adam Sandler goes, don't worry, go on the business trip. I'll handle it till you get back. And he just goes, okay, thanks. Phone down. Yeah, it's like, yeah. if you found out, right, that someone you slept with six years ago, one, is dying or dead, yeah. two, has your son, and three, has sent the son to you, you drop all the other shit that you're doing and you fucking go home and sort that out. You don't go, I'm just going to, I'm I'm still going to, it's a really important, it doesn't even specify what the meeting's about. There's no setup to like, it's an integral meeting where it's the make or break of the company. If I don't perform well, yeah. I'm going to lose my job. It's just like, I've got an important meeting, end of story. Yeah. And it's also like Adam Sandler asked Julian, where are you from? And he says, Buffalo. And then John Stewart's like, huh, never been to Buffalo. Must be a mistake. Bye. Yeah, it must be a prank. It must be a prank. Jesus. Yeah, it's just like, oh, you know what, mate? Not the best time for me to sort of be considering this problem right now. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing that makes it seedy and disgusting is that whole bit with Jon Stewart. But also, like, Adam Sandler's 
motivations for wanting to take the kid is not to help his friend out but the real reason that he wants to look after the kid is he has this genius idea that it's going to make him seem more adult to win back his girlfriend who very legitimately and reasonably does not want to be with him anymore yeah he sees that as a way a tool if you like this kid is a tool to get his girlfriend back because that's what all women want ultimately is what the movie suggests and i don't even think it suggests it i think it explicitly states it in a conversation between adam sandler and john stewart because he's like adam sandler says to john stewart oh i think vanessa's gonna break up with me she's gonna dump me she thinks i've got no direction she thinks i'm immature and like and then john stewart says something to the effect of well um you know women they get to a certain age they start wanting families they start wanting kids you know what they're like i think he actually says the sentence you know what they get like yeah and i think doesn't he mention as well like a body clock or something like that there's like they're running out of time yeah and it's got it's got nothing to do with adam sandler not having a job for six years getting up at he actually says doesn't he, he's never been up earlier than half past 11 in about seven years yeah, yeah. doesn't have a job has no money eats and looks like shit the whole time hmm. it's got nothing to do with that yeah it must be the fact that she wants a kid and marriage before her body clock runs out and she can't do either yeah absolutely um and then there's even a point where he takes the kid to her to basically be like oh look i've got a kid now we can be together and she's like yeah actually kind of don't want to be with you and then he says something like but we've got a family now yeah <laughs> Like, how disillusioned can you be? And, like, what's irritating about that as well is, like, that is the irrational actions of an absolute psychopath. Yeah. But we are meant to see that as, like... Sympathetic. Sympathetic traits of Adam Sandler. Yeah. And I was looking at it, I was like, you would need to be locked up, mate. You are actually insane. Yeah. You've kidnapped this kid. You've committed identity fraud, all in the name of trying to win someone back who, quite rightly, doesn't like you very much. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like the the scribblings of a madman. It really is. And like that scene as well is where Adam Sandler can shoehorn in another demographic to insult, and that's old people. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it turns out that his you know young, attractive ex girlfriend has dumped Adam Sandler and all of his lovely qualities for an older man yeah. who, by all accounts, at that point has a direction in life and you know has a steady job and what have you Mm. um but that's a you know that's an opportunity for adam sandler to make a joke about old people's testicles yeah yeah so um sorry i'm just really enjoying uh it's like i'm just winding you up like a toy and just setting you (laughs) off um yeah so we we touched on quite a few different subject areas there uh, some of which i've also chosen to focus on in more detail but i just want to give you the opportunity to just keep going um what what (laughs) what else do you have on your list (laughs) Um, well, I'll leave some of this for chipping in when you've got your list because we're inevitably going to have some crossover. Mm. Um, but the last thing that I wanted to discuss, and this is why I sort of eye rolled a little bit when you said, you know, about the sentimentality of the ending, is that like I found that last 25 minutes to be the most unsettling, seedy, filthy sequence <laughs> in the whole film. And the, the irony of that is that that's meant to be the point in the film where you feel the most sympathetic towards mm. the characters. And I felt like my intelligence was being insulted by that point. I actually thought at the time, so just to prefix it, I suppose, 
um, for those people who haven't seen it. Basically, everything's exposed at the end. Uh, the child services find out that Adam Sandler isn't who he says he is and that he's illegitimately been looking after this child for however long. Adam Sandler has managed to sort of trap a lady uh, into a relationship with him and has recruited her sort of help in bringing up Julian. Mm. Julian really likes Adam Sandler now and they have like a quite a good bond, a good tie to each other. Um, and then... Adam Sandler decides that he needs to go to court in order to win custody of Julian Mm -hmm. and actually become his full-time father. Mm. And the whole courtroom scene is basically, it all goes to shit, doesn't it, initially? Like, all of his character references say the wrong stuff. Like, his character character references in the stands are like a homeless guy who he's met twice and is coaxing with McDonald's to be there in the first place. (laughs) And his delivery driver friend who has, like, a very loose grasp on the English language. Um, So, again, another opportunity obviously for him to insult those demographics again yeah and i just i just want to say the fact that his delivery driver friend is an immigrant and has poor english skills is frequently made out to be a character flaw so that's it basically it's like oh this guy gives a poor character reference because he well english isn't his first language and he doesn't understand american cultural references and that's why he's a bad character reference in air quotations but yeah basically the whole court scene goes to shit because of that yeah and then adam sandler sort of uh, ace in the hole is is getting his dad up as a character reference or to cross-examine him and it's sort of set up through the course of the film that his dad he has mm. a poor relationship with his dad and his you know again the voice of reason his dad's yeah, like you're yeah. a fucking scumbag and it's like yes you are a scumbag but he gets his dad to cross-examine him and then Adam Sandler does this big heartfelt monologue about fatherhood and parenting and, and the importance of it and it wins everybody over in the end and it all ends happy families and I thought that entire court scene was was going to be an actual joke like there was going to be a punchline where it was all like in his head or something because it's played so straight for sentimentality that is bordering on parody yeah like it's hilarious in how poorly formed that last sequence is and i know for a fact that the only reason it's in there is to help the audience forget the shit that they've seen previously and to focus on the potential that this film has a heart. Yeah. It's tricking the audience into believing that the film has a deeper undercurrent of emotion or a deeper thematic element to it than it does. And it's just one big fucking charade at the end to try and convince you of that. And that is it was that point then where I was like, I feel sick that it's trying to do this to me. Yeah. All I can say is thank God for the judge because she's the one that is basically like, even after his heartfelt speech, the judge still says, the fact is you kidnapped this child, you're not going to get custody. Fucking right. And the only reason he doesn't get arrested is because John Stewart stands up and says, I'm this kid's biological father and I refuse to press charges kind of thing. Oh, how admirable, John Stewart. How admirable of you to not press charges against your friend. I hope you enjoyed your fucking business trip. Oh man. Like, I'm so annoyed that he's even in this movie because not gonna lie I love Jon Stewart I'm not American I think he's a national treasure but like <laughs> but, but like you know it, it, there's so many people that are doing themselves dirty by even being in this movie Steve Buscemi being another classic example as well well you know exactly why it is don't you yeah. you know why they're in this film it's just because they know they're gonna get a fat packet out of it at the end because morons like Adam Sandler movies so it's gonna make money yeah it's true and that's the, that's the end and like this movie set the trend for this to happen yeah. because he's realised by this point all he needs to do is turn up on set in his fucking pajamas mm. spout out some abhorrent shitty dialogue about different people insult them 
and then pretend to be sentimental at the end and mm. it'll make him 300 million bucks. And all of his cronies understand that and have jumped right on that bandwagon are making mint off it. And that's happened, you know, even as recently as, you know, Grown Ups. And what was that fucking film he did um, with Pac-Man in it? Oh. Uh, was it Pixels? Pixels, yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> if you want to see a shit show of a film, go and watch that. <laughs> cool. Um, was that it for that section for you? Um, so I've got more and I'm sure I'll be able to chip in um, as you articulate some of the things that you found um, disgraceful about this film. But I just want to start you off really by asking you a question, Paddy. Um, why does this film hate Hooters so much? <laughs> well, I'm going to counter your question with another question, which is why does this film hate women so much? Um, because I think that's really the issue because this movie loves Hooters because they probably paid them a ton of money for product placement. Yeah, that's true. But yes, Adam Sandler's character does seem to have a real dislike of women who have worked at Hooters, mm. which is basically just a stand-in for sexually promiscuous women. Yeah, That was one of the main big points that I have down on my list of things that I really didn't like about this movie. The treatment of women throughout this movie is absolutely abhorrent. And it basically, the whole thing seems to basically conform to the Madonna whore complex. Do you want to explain what that is? Yes. So the Madonna whore complex was coined by Sigmund Freud. And the theory suggests that men express their simultaneous fear and desire of female sexuality through a dichotomy that splits women into two separate groups. The pure Madonna, the mother figure with whom one forms a loving but sexually banal relationship, and the whore whom one desires physically and perhaps achieve satisfaction with but can never progress with further in terms of a meaningful relationship so i've just lifted that little definition off wikipedia but yeah basically this movie doesn't have complex female characters it has madonnas and it has whores to use that language so i've, I've actually written a little bit about each of the main female characters the first one i want to focus on is corinne and she is the vessel through which the majority of adam sandler's hooters jibes are explored basically that's leslie mann's character right yeah yeah she is john stewart's fiance so she's basically portrayed to be at odds with adam sandler throughout the movie and the way he treats her is absolutely appalling from start to finish mm. the movie is attempting to make her out to be like a shrew or an antagonist for being in conflict with adam sandler but he's just basically a dick to her who constantly shames her for her former role as like a hooters waitress and for her cleavage and her appearance in general like every single line of dialogue that he says to her he weaponizes the fact that she used to work at hooters and uh, her cleavage against her basically every single line of dialogue dialogue it's just like a little add-on mm. and so the movie is really complicit in sandler's shaming of her because he is never shown to be in the wrong or out of line and also the movie also feels the need to qualify the fact that she used to work at hooters by pointing out that she is now a doctor mm. which basically implies she would not be wife material if she was still a hooters girl right because obviously john stewart's intending to marry her and like he keeps making fun of her to john stewart and he's like oh come on she's a doctor now you know and the implication there is that if she were to still be working at hooters she'd be fair game for ridicule yeah. and the fact that she ever deigned to work there in the first place 
um, means that she's fair game for ridicule anyway. So basically, what the movie is saying is women who work at places like Hooters are fit only to be lusted after or shamed as sex objects yeah. and little more. And that sort of segues nicely into talking about Vanessa, his girlfriend who dumps him at the beginning of the movie. So this movie frames her as an antagonist, right? Yeah. So her very reasonable decision to leave Sonny is described by him as the biggest mistake of her life, right? So, like, he goes to her apartment with Julian, as we mentioned earlier, and it turns out she's sleeping with Sid, this older guy. And then he, like, kicks off about it and starts making a bunch of ageist comments. And then he leaves and he says, you just made the biggest mistake of your life, baby. And, like, the context of that scene, removed from the rest of the movie that follows, it almost feels like it's making fun of Adam Sandler. Yeah. It's almost like that statement is said ironically, because it's yeah. almost like, how can someone with so little going on in his life demonstrate such hubris? Like, you know? Yeah. But... It turns out... The prophecy comes true, basically. Yeah, the prophecy comes true. It does turn out to be the biggest mistake of her life because by the end of the movie, you know, surprise, surprise, Adam Sandler's a fucking lawyer and she is working at Hooters. So in the last scene of the movie, they have a birthday party for Adam Sandler at Hooters because I guess he likes being surrounded by women he hates on his birthday. (laughs) And and Vanessa is working there and it turns out Sid, the older guy's five-year plan was... um, didn't work out and he ended up as the chef at Hooters. And it's just kind of like the movie basically makes out that women who work at Hooters, i.e. women of a low economic status who are sexually promiscuous, are worthless, essentially. And this movie punishes Vanessa for her decision to leave Sonny by rendering her a Hooters girl by the end. So it's like, oh, she got her just desserts. She got her, she got what was coming to her. And what's infuriating about that as well is that in any other film, her decision to leave him would be rightly justified. Absolutely. And she would go on to be successful. And maybe through that course of action, Adam Sandler's character would learn that what he was doing was inappropriate and he would change as a consequence. They wouldn't get back together at the end, but it took that moment of clarity of, Mm -hmm. I don't want to be with you anymore because you're worthless for him to turn his life around. But because it's an Adam Sandler movie, that can't happen because that would reflect badly on Adam Sandler. Mm -hmm. So what needs to happen is that she needs to be punished for deciding to leave him in the first place. And I just want to uh, interrupt you quickly. Um, And I'm going to admit this, Paddy. I'm going to admit this to you now. Don't tell anyone about this. (laughs) Apart from our podcast audience. (laughs) (laughs) In that scene uh, where he goes there and he says, this will be the biggest mistake of your life and, and all that. I did laugh at one of his jokes. Okay. I think it was the bluntness of the delivery. And, you know... That might actually be because Adam Sandler delivered a joke like a joke should be delivered. Like it had sort of like a punchline to it, which Mm. was funny. Maybe not in the sense of its context, but at least in the delivery, it Mm. was funny. It's when she says, yeah, I'm with this guy because he has a five-year plan. And Adam Sandler's response to that is, what is his plan? (laughs) To die? (laughs) Oh no, it's, it's to not die. Yeah, to not die, that's it. And I will admit that 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 sort of obnoxious deadpan response yeah. got a laugh out of me yeah i'll admit yeah. that even though you can see it coming like a mile off as yeah, well yeah yeah, yeah yeah but it was still like uh, i'll credit where credit's due he delivered the line in an appropriately blunt fashion that made it a funny offensive joke yes 
Um, but also, I just want to focus a bit more on Vanessa because it's interesting because at the beginning of the movie, she says that she's a party planner, like she's a professional party planner. So in the reality of this world, if this was real life, what would end up actually happening is most likely Sonny, Adam Sandler's character, would end up being the chef at Hooters. And Vanessa would end up throwing a big party there as part of her professional role and they'd encounter each other in that way. Yeah. But the skewed non-reality of this movie is that Adam Sandler's somehow a lawyer. Well, it's you say somehow, like, it's implied very poorly and half-heartedly um, that he has lawyer skills. Yeah. Because I think it's said on numerous occasions, like, I think his dad says it a few times, so do his friends, like, you graduated from law school, you could have been doing this. And I think at a few points, doesn't he, like, give some advice to his lawyer friend he's like you're a genius man I'm gonna go and do that right away so there's this sort of like half-assed attempt to make him seem like some fucking legal genius that's just choosing to live this lifestyle of a slob where really he should be like you know using his skills for good so it's like implied in the film but yeah he somehow just becomes lawyer man by the end he's a savant lawyer isn't he like (laughs) and and that's the thing like I actually wrote down that line uh, when he's having his conversation with his friends because I thought it was so ridiculous, but basically, and he delivers it in the most lackluster, lazy way as well. And his yeah. friends are like, oh, I just don't know what I'm going to do with, about this case. It's just like really driving me crazy. And like, I just don't know what to do. And then suddenly just like Adam Sandler just says, oh, maybe you can try suing under the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. <laughs> it's just Yeah, like... the delivery of that line to me stinks of script researcher has brought line of dialogue to Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler has gone, what is this? And he just says, just read it. You'll sound like like a lawyer so he just reads it yeah um anyway we've gotten slightly sidetracked so i just want to take a moment to talk about layla who in the movie's universe is the only sympathetic female character so whereas corinne and vanessa are constantly shown to be sexualized layla is not remotely sexualized she's always portrayed as the madonna as maternal so basically they meet in the park when Sonny tries to entrap her into a date using julian successfully as well might i add oh yeah the level with which this woman goes along with it is just completely mind-blowing yeah but like so to To Sonny, the ideal woman is one who just enters his life and is absolutely fine with taking on all his pre-existing baggage without expecting him to change. Mm. So anyone who challenges him or does not want to exist in service of his needs is shamed and punished. And it's like some of the things that... Like, Layla just seems completely charmed by him from minute one. And I think she says a line at some point. She actually says, oh, I think it's actually cool you only work one day a week. And it's like, no, you fucking don't. Like, yeah. like, like who thinks that? Well, there's nothing inherently wrong with not working. But it's just like within the logic of this movie, anything that Adam Sandler does is seen as an admirable quality. Yeah. Even if it yeah. goes against the logic of what you would expect from these types of characters. Um, But yeah, at the end of the movie... This is all wrapped up in a neat little package where his dad is like, how are you going to take care of a kid? You've got no money. And Sonny, like, he's like, oh, don't worry about that, dad. I'm seeing a beautiful, (laughs) successful, intelligent woman and she's going to be my sugar mama. And then he winks at her and she's just like, totally fine with it. And it's just like, it's just, it just beggars belief. So yeah, just to sum up, there are only two types of women portrayed in this movie, Madonnas and whores. And regardless, if the women do not exist in service of Adam Sandler's needs, they are thoroughly punished and slut-shamed and uh, are subjected to all kinds of sexism, basically. And it's awful. It's absolutely disgraceful. And 
That is why this movie hates Hooters so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Right. Uh, oh, geez, this is going to be a long one, isn't it? I can already, I can feel it in my bones. So um, I've got a few more things on my list, but is there anything you wanted to... I, I think I might pass the baton back to you for a little bit. I've been talking for a long time. Yeah, I mean, let's just quickly revisit the world building of this film and this sort of strange parallel universe that these characters exist in. Because, like, the thing that I couldn't help thinking about this film is, like, if we put this into the real world and this and these sorts of events take place, what sort of impact would this sequence of events have on a small child such as Julian? Because the implication from the film is that a child will do pretty much anything that you... I don't know, like, can we say train? Like, he does treat Julian like a dog. He puts newspaper down for him and things like that. So, like, the implication is that a child will absorb all the behaviours that you do and copy them verbatim in any situation. Mm. So that being the case, like how fucking damaging must that be in a real life situation? And that's what I couldn't get over. It was so detached from reality Mm. that it was actually sort of quite worrying. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, uh, we sort of touched on that a little bit earlier, but I think the thing that was most detached from reality in this movie is the way it goes about portraying the child fostering service of America. Um, so it's just like... It's hilarious. The fact, the fact that he is even able to get away with having temporary custody of this child in the first place is absolutely insane. It's ludicrous. It's completely ludicrous. Like, after he realises Vanessa won't take him back, Adam Sandler goes back into the social services office and he's like, oh, I, I don't think I can do this. I think I need to give him back. And then he has a change of heart when he sees Julian tying his laces in a way that he taught him and he realizes oh he might actually want to have a crack at this dad business and then the social services guy's like why don't we just pretend you didn't even come in today you know i'll check back in a couple of weeks wink wink are they that desperate for fostering children that they would just allow you know some slob off the streets to just take the child from them yeah that's the implication is like oh you know we really need to palm this child off on you so we're just gonna ignore your very reasonable doubts that you have for your ability to look after this kid we'll pretend that doesn't happen and um we might see you in a couple of days or you might go to prison for neglect. <laughs> yeah, like Adam Sandler literally says, I am not a good father during that scene. Please take him away from me. He's been lying in puddles of his own piss for days now. And it's really irritating because the noise of the newspapers keeping me up. <laughs> Like, he has lived on nothing but Cheerios. Like, and his personal hygiene is, frankly, getting appalling at this stage. Like, you know, and yeah, he's just like, yeah, I'm a bad father. And the guy's just like, ah, don't worry Mm. about it. Like, two weeks, give it a couple of weeks. I'm sure you'll bond in no time. Can you hold on to this kid for us while we find him a foster family is basically what he says. And then at the end, when his identity fraud is unearthed and obviously the social services guy turns up on his doorstep and he's like you fraudulently held yourself out to be kevin garrity who is john stewart's character again the question is how like how does this happen how does he get custody of a child even temporarily even through some kind of gentleman's agreement without showing some form of identification (laughs) to 
anyone in authority. The whole basis for him having this child is that he answers the phone call for Jon Stewart and says, yes, I am Kevin Garrity. It's the um, School of Rock teacher recruitment policy, but with a foster agency. Yeah, literally. I mean, yeah. I, again, I've said this in the past about films we watch, like, there's no point in picking plot holes in, in films that are fantastical mm. because what's the point of that? Like, you have to suspend your disbelief. But this film grounds itself in a relatable reality. Yeah. But the things that take place in that relatable reality are so otherworldly it's it's really unsettling yeah yeah and if again if the movie had been restructured in some way like the scenario of adam sandler having to look after the kid is not beyond the realms of possibility no like it could have literally been john stewart gets this call from social services and he's got to go to his big meeting and he's just like i don't know what to do about this um i'm gonna give him to my roommate for a little bit you know but legally in terms of all the paperwork he has taken on the temporary custody of this child, essentially. That's all it would need. But they don't even go to that level of effort. And I've got, um, just relating to the idea of things being illogical or not believable in this universe, um, I think the biggest glaring flaw in this movie is that you're meant to side with Adam Sandler's character, despite the fact that Sonny is resoundingly dislikable and obnoxious throughout this entire movie. So yeah, I've basically compiled a little list of incidents throughout the movie that really illustrate what a dislikable twat Sonny is as a character and how the fact that we're even supposed to relate to him is completely ludicrous in and of itself. So firstly, he does the very typical Adam Sandler thing of resorting to unnecessary shouting because as we all know, louder equals funnier. But basically in the logic of the movie, that just translates to his character clearly having some level of anger management issues that a child absolutely should not be subjected to. Yeah. Isn't there, isn't there even a moment where he shouts at Julian or shouts in his vague direction and there's actually a cut to a close-up of Julian's face in, like, shock and horror at yeah. the fact that that's just happened. So the movie actually takes a moment to visibly show the audience that it's having a detrimental effect on the child, him shouting in that way. And he doesn't yeah. even fucking apologise for it. It just carries on. Yeah, it's literally ridiculous. And there's a few moments like that. Like, there's the bit where they go to McDonald's and they miss the McDonald's breakfast and he just starts screaming at this perfectly polite McDonald's employee and anyone that's worked in the food service industry, as I have, knows that someone like Adam Sandler is a fucking nightmare of a customer yeah. to have to deal with. And he's just screaming at this McDonald's employee for absolutely no reason. And then Julian starts crying and he even makes a point of saying, oh, don't worry, I'm not shouting at you. I'm just shouting at the lady. And then doesn't he just like steal some food? Or like he, he, knocks, he knocks some chips out of someone's hand or something, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because someone's like getting annoyed that he's causing such a scene. So he just fucking knocks his food out of his hand. He's just totally obnoxious and aggressive. And there's just yeah a few other moments that i've noted down where um i'll just try and go through them as quickly as possible but yeah there's obviously the rollerblade scene where he's just tripping up random rollerbladers with a stick because he wants to see them fall and if that doesn't sum up adam sandler's entire career i don't know what does <laughs> entertaining children by being a total dickhead is basically the summary of his entire career there's that one scene where they go trick-or-treating and there's a guy who you know, for oh, his own Jesus very Christ. legitimate reasons. For his own very legitimate reasons, doesn't want to give them any candy. He doesn't want to be involved in the whole Halloween thing. He's just chilling in his armchair, reading a book. 
and Adam Sandler literally invades his home as a literal home invader and intimidates him into giving him his shit, basically. Like, his watch. Yeah. He mugs a guy for his watch for being vaguely impolite to them or something. It's ludicrous. But then, obviously, we've got, uh, you know, the standard he uses a child to entrap women into dating him. And (laughs) the first time Layla comes back to his flat... You know, Sonny keeps waking up, so he's just like, oh, I gave him some NyQuil. He should be out for the night. So he's basically drugging a child so he can <laughs> bang a woman. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, And then just, uh, yeah, one more thing. There's that scene where when there's like a bonding montage between him and Julian. And he chokes Rob Schneider's character, right? He's demonstrating the chokehold. Yeah, they're doing wrestling, aren't they? Yeah, they're doing wrestling moves and he's demonstrating the chokehold on Rob Schneider. And he chokes him out to the point of unconsciousness to where he's on the floor. Doesn't check his pulse doesn't put him in the recovery position his way of ascertaining whether or not rob schneider is still alive is he taps his crotch just to see if there's any reaction there is no reaction and he just leaves him passed out on the floor while they watch movies for what could be hours he could have easily been dead He, 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 he could have been dead he didn't give a shit um so yeah, there's just a whole series of moments that really demonstrate what a truly abhorrent and shitty character Adam Sandler is. And, you know, I've ended on my little point about Rob Schneider, and I think that's actually quite a convenient segue into just discussing the way this movie handles race, and more specifically, how this movie is a racist movie, essentially. Yeah. Because as with any Sandler product, Rob Schneider's character is basically a vehicle to mine comedy out of tired racial stereotypes. Yep. And you know what as well? They do it so well, don't they? They are so successful in recreating tired, lazy, racist stereotypes that it's like those sorts of things would not be out of place in like a 1940s movie, right? To me, Rob Schneider in this film is like one step away from basically wearing blackface. Well, he's in brownface. Yeah. Is he actually? Because I didn't know if that was the case. Yeah. He's actually yeah. in brownface. Okay, so they're, so they're there. They're not even one step away. They are literally there. Yeah. It's a homage to that beautiful era of cinema where racial stereotyping was a source of comedy. Um, what a wonderful homage that is. Yes, indeed. And just for our less aware listeners out there, Ollie is being sarcastic. Just yeah. going to clarify I've that. I've never been more sarcastic in my <laughs> life about anything. Ollie yeah. just hit peak sarcasm. <laughs> Um, But yeah, so obviously, as we've touched upon, they make frequent references to his illiteracy and ability to read, which they frame as a a character flaw. And also the fact that he's shown to be an illegal immigrant. They have to get in that little, oh, oh, the feds are at the door. I better get out of here because I'm not allowed to work in this country. Because, of course, the only immigrant character in the whole movie would have to be illegal. Yeah. But yeah, so he's also implied to have not only the literacy, but the emotional intelligence of a child. And that seems like super hypocritical in this movie because there's a moment where the delivery driver gets mad during a card game because Julian keeps winning and Adam Sandler's like, oh, come on, he's just a kid and blah, blah, blah. And it's sort of implied that Rob Schneider's character has the emotional maturity of a child. He's on the same level as a child. Or even less than Julian, arguably. Yeah, and there's scenes that, you know, that frequently make that comparison between the two. And it seems so fucking hypocritical because obviously the most childish adult in the film is Adam Sandler. (laughs) 
Yeah, exactly. And it's like he's frequently made the butt of the joke throughout the movie, despite the fact that he's clearly more of a functional working adult than Sonny is, because he's got a full-time job and, you know, presumably pays his bills and pays his way. Like, you know what I mean? Um, But yeah, so that's obviously the stock racism that is presented through Rob Schneider's character. But then there's also one other throwaway racist joke. And do you know what's so upsetting about this as well is that it tarnishes Steve Buscemi. It does, doesn't it? It really does. Because I love him as an actor. Like, mostly everything, barring this, that he's been in that I've seen, I think he's fantastic. But he sold out for money, for Adam Mm -hmm. Sandler's dirty money, and he's ended up saying (laughs) what is potentially the most lazy and throwaway racist line that I've heard in a film in a very long time. In fact, I'm struggling to think of one in another movie that is equally or more offensive than that, and I can't. Yeah, equally offensive in terms of its content and also its laziness. Yeah, I I think it's the perfect storm of laziness and offence. Yeah, because it's literally like Steve Buscemi playing the homeless guy as a witness. He literally just says, if OJ can get away with murder, why can't Sonny have his kid? This guy knows what I'm talking about. And it just cuts to a random African-American man in the courtroom. And it's just like, I actually groaned when that happened. Like the air escaped my lungs in a way that I couldn't prevent. Well, well, I I groaned when he said, if OJ can get away with murder, then Sonny can do this. I groaned then. But then when it cut to uh, African-American in the audience and Steve Buscemi goes, this guy knows what I'm talking about. That's when I just went... I just I just downed tools at that point. I was like, fuck this. Like, <laughs> Flip I'm out. the table. Yeah, I'm done. I am done. I am out. Yeah. Oh, dear. That's basically everything on my list. Did you have anything else that you wanted to point out? No, I don't think so. I've actually, through the course of this discussion, I have got how to make this movie better. So we could do that section at the end. Ah, that's very good because I actually, I didn't even bother writing that section. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, have it not exist. Have it not be an Adam Sandler movie. Go watch About a Boy instead. It's not great, but it's better than this. Yeah. Julia, come here. Vanessa, I want you to meet Julian, my son. Our son, I adopted him. I don't know what to say. You don't have to say anything. What about you? Did you have any actual changes that you would want to make to the movie? Yeah, this has actually sort of manifested itself over the course of our discussion of it, really. And yeah, sort of like what we talked about with the Pokemon movie, I'm working with what we have already. So Mm. obviously my... My choice here, if I had to change anything, would just be burn them all in a fucking bin, all the copies of this of this film. Mm-hmm. But I think actually you can solve maybe some of the horrible seediness mm. with actually quite a minor change to the narrative. Um, so I think what you do with this film, instead of having it, we meet Adam Sandler... He's a slob, he's lazy, he's pathetic, his life's on a downturn. A random child turns up and over a series of events, he learns that he wants to be a dad and then he becomes a lawyer at the end. Jobs are good. And instead of having that trajectory, what you do is you start with Sandler and he's already a single dad, right? Mm -hmm. We already know that Sandler has a child and we also know in the first act of the movie that he's not very good at being a dad, 
He mm-hmm. teaches him all these terrible things that he shouldn't really be doing. You know, if you want to keep the same ones in that they're already there, that he doesn't bath, he eats like junk food constantly, pisses wherever he likes, he stinks, mm-hmm. whatever. Like keep all that in there. We learn very quickly that Adam Sandler is a bad dad. And then what happens is maybe there's a moment where suddenly there's a really real threat that he's going to lose Julian. Mm-hmm. So he's like, oh shit, like someone's cottoned on to the fact that I'm basically abusing this child. I need to change my ways in order to keep my bond with my son. Mm-hmm. And then that starts the second act of the film where he's trying to learn how to be a better parent. And you can mm-hmm. have some more shenanigans, right? Like Julian starts misbehaving and Adam Sandler has got to find a conventional parenting way of solving the problem. Whereas beforehand, he may have just like, you know, thrown him in his room and locked the door or shouted at him or something. Like there's a process in the middle act of the movie where Adam Sandler is learning how to be a better parent. And then the final act of the film can take place in a courtroom. That's fine. He has to go in there and prove that he is a good dad after all. And he uses the second act's activities as Mm. evidence for that fact. And then all the people that doubted him, the child services, whoever it might be, maybe his girlfriend, they all learn that actually he's learned the error of his ways and everyone lives happily ever after and he becomes a better person. He treats his child like a child needs to be treated and everyone's happy. And that way, you get rid of this horrible seediness that permeates every moment of this film because he is not pretending to be someone he's not. Yeah. And he actually changes as a person. He doesn't get rewarded for being the scumbag that he is. Yeah, and I think that's actually a really good um, reimagining of the movie. The only change I would make to your reimagining is I'd actually pick up on something that you said earlier in that the only change that I would make is that the child is still dropped off on his doorstep or not dropped off literally but you know he finds out he has a child from a one night stand with someone and um decides to take on the child for whatever reasons out of obligation or whatever and then is resentful of having to take care of this child and is not ready to give up his lifestyle and is a terrible father for all you know the reasons that you've listed above and then has that same progression when social services because you could have it be that they do like monitored like a spot check or something yeah yeah they could do like monitored child visits or something like that and it could be that he realizes that after a while that they will take this child away from him if he doesn't fix up and he realizes that oh no wait actually i I do think i want this child yeah but i agree generally speaking in terms of your restructuring i think that i think that makes a lot of sense that would at least clear up some of the yeah like i said like some of the disgusting underbelly that the actual movie has yeah exactly exactly well i think we've done it more or less <laughs> on a scale of one to ten how exhausted are you oh uh, yeah off the scale completely off the scale i'm like knackered and i watched this movie like three days ago like, <laughs> yeah, me so, too. T- so tired <laughs> um but yeah so i guess the final question is i mean i'm it's a bit redundant at this point but <laughs> oliver oh you know it's serious now when the full name is mentioned yeah go for it do you think you need rose-tinted glasses to appreciate this movie or do you think it holds up on its own merit (laughs) you 100% need those glasses on for this one yeah Uh, and I in fact think there aren't even hypothetical rose-tinted glasses that exist that can cover up the disgrace that this film is. Yeah. So yeah, I honestly, 
honestly urge those of you who have a fond memory of Adam Sandler films or Big Daddy specifically to rewatch them now because I'd be really interested to see if there's anyone who still believes that this movie is good and nice and wholesome after watching it from a modern perspective. And I would be shocked and a little bit worried and upset if anyone comes back and says that they still think it's a good film. Yeah. Because I struggle to think of a film that's made me feel this angry and upset and dirty um, for a long, long time. Well, don't watch any of his other movies. Although, uh, saying that, I've got Little Nicky on the back burner because that was the other big one for me. Um, but I don't I don't know if I can do it. Yeah, see, I, I've only seen that once and I, yeah, I can't even remember what it's about. So I, I, I don't even know if I could do that. But yeah, I would just say, don't watch any of his other films then, dude, because this is the wholesome one. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. that, that puts it into perspective. Holy shit. What about you then? Uh, I am assuming it's a pretty straightforward answer from yourself as well. It is. Um, obviously, you absolutely need roast tinted specs to still appreciate this movie but i'm going to take that one step further so my rose tinted view of this movie was largely the positive memories i associated with it and my dad and like the times me and my dad watched it together revisiting this movie was such a nightmare that it actually tarnished my memories of my relationship with my own real life father. So that's how it's like it's like reverse anti-rose tinted. Like I can't even there's a, I don't know what the scientific term is, but it's like the antimatter equivalent of rose tinted specs. It's disgraceful. Oh, that's really sad. That's really sad. But totally understandable at the same time. Well, we agreed to take the burden of this podcast on. Yeah, that's true that's true it's a tough crown to bear um <laughs> well can we can we just do something i think this has brought out something within me paddy that i want to <laughs> sort of take forward i want to channel some of this energy that we've manifested and i want to take it forward into future films that we discuss on this podcast and i want to call this phenomenon the big daddy effect yes right? which is basically when a film makes you feel so seedy and disgusted and almost like guilty for watching it. I'd like that to be the big daddy effect. Okay. So when we would next watch some movies uh, and one that comes up that's particularly abhorrent in some way, then we can refer back to this as the big daddy effect. Yes, I agree. I think that has a nice ring to it. So anytime a movie is infamous enough to receive that accolade, we will mention it. Awesome. Cool. Well, that just about does it then. I am absolutely exhausted and I'm going to pass out and cry for the next few hours. <laughs> Not in that order, probably. Um, but yeah, that just about does it. As always, I just need to give a massive thank you to Dilettante for letting us use their song My Dress as our theme tune. Go check them out online. That's Dilettante. They are absolutely fantastic. But yeah, in the meantime, I have been Paddy. And I've been Ollie. And we have been Rose Tinted. Thank you very much for listening, and we shall see you all next time. Before you go, don't forget to rate and subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. Remember, you can also follow us on Instagram, at Rose Tinted Movies. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>